Warning, this episode contains spoilers, coarse language, and BETRAYAL! BETRAYAL! BETRAYED ME! If it's something that's really well done the first time, it's not broken, stop trying to smash it. I'm always intrigued to see what it is that people are going to do with something that's already been done before. I hate remakes. I love remakes. Welcome, everybody, to part two of I Hate Love Remakes, episode 15. I am Noel, and joining me, as always, is Evie. I'm Batman. Yeah, you're Batman. And scene. <laughs> I'm a little proud of myself for that. <laughs> but Evie told me I'm Batman. No, well, just this once. Just this once, I'm Batman. Okay. Well, there is Batman Inc. now, so there can be multiple Batmans. Exactly. And they're bringing it back, so yay. Yay. It's really good, Mac. You have to read it. Okay. I don't know. I've never read it. I'm not a Grant Morrison fan. He did All-Star Superman, right? Yeah, I'm not Which really enjoying okay. I'm, I'm kind of in the middle of reading that. I'm not entirely enjoying it. I liked it. It has its moments. I thought it was good. But, okay. I mean, to each their own. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm growing as a person. Everyone be terrified and run. Oh, my God. I was going to say, I'm proud of you. So everyone, the I'm end is I'm terrified of you. Yeah. Everybody panic. <laughs> Well, I knew doing this show for over a year would break you at some point. If you go listen to, like, the first few episodes, I have that point where I will get grossed out by you, and now it's just like, oh, no. Like, I just, it doesn't even phase me. Like, the guests will be crying in the corner, and I'm like, whatever, boys. Because you've caught on to the fact that I don't mean most of it seriously. Yeah, well, that, and I'm like, it's just funny it's at this point. It's a punchline to get reaction, people. Jeez. Like, <laughs> God, no, you- damn it. And you know what? It's Dana's fault because she's the one who started you on it way back when. I love how Joe is like, you know, I've gotten to the point where I'm hesitant to read any of your tweets because I don't know what I'm going to (laughs) see. I'm like, I'm not dirty all the time. Come on. Yeah. Nine times out of ten, your tweets are very clean. So it's just when I get dirty, I kind of go to a very dark point. (laughs) (sighs) Yes, Mac, be glad you're not on Twitter more often. (laughs) Well, she only has so much time to write all those haikus. Yeah. They are beautiful haikus, please and thank you. Mm-hmm. From now on, I'm only going to tweet in Limerick. There once was a man from Nantucket. Nothing rhymes with Nantucket. Damn it. Uh, he had a can bucket. <laughs> Why would it be a can? Like, is it a bucket made of cans or is it a bucket it, for It's cans? a bucket in a can. It's canned. Oh, okay. It's a canned bucket. Oh, okay. Impressive. Well, you've never wanted there a bucket in a, a can? Nantucket who carried a big yellow bucket. Anywho... Can you tell that we're stalling at all? No? Yeah. No, no. Mm. Um, I have things to say. So, <laughs> Mac, we, we forgot to ask you in part one, but we'll ask you now since we're about to go into the remake. What is your general opinion when it comes to remakes? Honestly, I feel like remakes are something of a double-edged sword. The creators have to be conscious that, yes, there will be comparisons, while the audience has to realize that, no, this is not the same movie, there's going to be expectations on both sides. And it's really more this delicate balancing act between product and expectation. Because when you do a remake, you can't escape the fact that there was an original. And regardless of what you do with it, the original is going to be used as a meter stick. Let's Mm -hmm. go with that. Especially when you're remaking something that's beloved. Exactly. So it's the responsibility of the creators to bear that in mind. However, we as the audience do need to remember that this is not the same thing and that we do have to view it as a separate entity because it is created that way. So it's this give and take. Because of that, I frankly could go either way in terms of whether I prefer the original or the remake. You take each one on its own terms. Yes. That's probably one of the most eloquent responses we've had to that question on the show. Yeah. See, this is what happens when we have smart people on. She's all like, blah, blah, blah. I'm Mac. I'm smart. Blah, blah, blah. Fuck you. I know shit. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> That's all I heard you when you were talking. You and your fucking rope. Well, seeing as most of your reviews of remakes are, ah, that's a pretty good eloquent response. 
I appreciate that. Right here. So. You can't see it, but I just have my chest. We, yeah, we got that. Thank you. <laughs> Explain the joke. All right. So, Evie, which remake are we talking about today? I hate you. I'm going home. I'm getting off this call. I'm killing you later. We're going to talk about my bloody Valentine 3D from 2009. I seriously hate you. Which I can't say 3D without going 3D. You know that whole bit where you move your hands forward and back? Yeah. 3D. (laughs) Yes, the 2009 version directed by Patrick Lussier and written by Zane Smith and Todd Farmer. I hate Todd Farmer. I will wear his skin as my pajamas one day. Here's the thing. Todd Farmer, Jason X, one of my favorite scripts of all time. I don't like it. About half that script made it to screen. I didn't like the movie, so I don't care. I didn't like this movie. Oh, I hated the movie, too. It's just his original script for it was really quite fun and entertaining. I also have to point out that I've watched My Bloody Valentine with the director and the screenwriter, by which I mean Todd Farmer. It's so congratulatory ass kissy. I'm like... Fuck all y'all. I ended up yelling at my TV and throwing things. Because that doesn't happen often. One was a high-heeled shoe. Very rarely do I throw (laughs) high-heeled shoes. I still haven't seen either The Messengers or Drive Angry, which he also worked on. No, you're not missing out. I think I'm going to pass on Drive Angry. I would much rather watch Drive. Yeah. You're Ryan Gosling. You know what? And then Patrick Lussier has kind of like become his new partner because they did Drive Angry together after this movie. They worked on Halloween 3 and a new Hellraiser reboot, neither one of which ended up getting made, which I'm kind of glad about now. Yeah. But uh, Lussier is, he's famous because he was Wes Craven's editor for years. No, he's still working as an editor too, he's, though. Yeah, he just did Apollo 18. Mm-hmm. But he's also... Which sucked. Yeah, and then his, other, his <laughs> big directorial thing before this was Dracula 2000. <laughs> and then the two direct-to-video sequels starring Jason Scott Lee. <laughs> laughing at it. I it through Dracula 2000. There's no way I could sit through direct-to-DVD sequels. Yeah. Oh, my God. I still haven't seen Dracula 2000. I'm kind of dreading it. You're I will at some just... point. Oh. <laughs> you do need to see it. I'm sorry, you do. Really, I want he to. Doesn't. Like, if you never see it in your lifetime, you're not missing out. Yeah, but anyways, he's definitely not someone that I would hold up as a director that excites me all that much. Especially after seeing this movie, but we'll get to that. Yeah. So, should I go ahead with the synopsis? If you must. All right. In a small mining town, young Tom Hanniger forgets to bleed a methane line, resulting in an explosion that traps six men in the mines. After a week of digging, Harry Warden is found to be the only survivor. He's in a coma, and it's quickly discovered that he killed the other miners to conserve the air. A year later, Harry wakes up on Valentine's Day and goes on a killing spree while dressed in his miner's outfit with a gas mask and a pickaxe. Just before he can get his revenge on Tom, Harry is shot by the sheriff and disappears deep into the mines. Ten years later, Tom returns to the town where people are up in arms upon the news that he plans to sell off the mines after inheriting them from his deceased father. Furthermore, Tom's old girlfriend Sarah is now married to local sheriff Axel, Tom's old best friend. When a new batch of killings flare up, the town starts to blame Tom, and Axel looks into the fate of Harry Warden. It's eventually discovered the town elders found Harry Warden shortly after the spree, killing the man and burying him in the woods, but the grave is now empty. Tom suspects Axel, Axel suspects Tom, Harry is unaccounted for, Sarah doesn't know who to believe as people continue dying. In the end, it's revealed Tom developed a split personality and isn't aware that he himself is the killer. After a climactic battle and explosion, Tom's body goes missing, everyone unaware that he killed a rescue crew worker and walked off the scene to live another day. Evie, do you recommend this movie? You couldn't tell, but I was screaming so much while you were doing that synopsis, but I managed to mute my mic just to save everybody. Um, no, I do not recommend this movie at all, ever. This is like alien water torture to me. Noel, I messaged you over Twitter yesterday because I didn't want to watch the remake because, oh my God, it sucks. And I said, it's like Harper's Island if it had sucked and had less characters. And I'm aware that Harper's Island... And you said that's actually a perfect description of it. Yes. And that you didn't want to watch it either. But and I'm like, and I'm aware that Harper's Island had 13 episodes to develop its story, but it's like someone saw Harper's Island and went, ooh, that's cool. I'm going to do that in like a two-hour movie. You can't do it in two hours. I would compare Harper's Island more to the original My Bloody Valentine. Exactly. It's well, yeah, it's like they did it in the original and then some idiot came along and was like, <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. derp de doo <laughs> 
Oh my god! Just no. I'm sorry, but just, this this it sucks. It sucks on so many levels. Oh, and you know what? I knew Tom was gonna be the guy, the minor whatever killer guy. I knew. I knew right away. This movie had absolutely no suspense with that. It outright basically did the dance of this guy's the killer. I hate this movie so much. Oh my god. <laughs> if this movie were a person, I would just do horrible things to it like you would possibly see in Hostel because I really, really hate it that much. That was incredibly visceral. Thank you. I really hated this movie. <laughs> a lot. I would never have guessed. Mac, do you recommend this movie? No, actually, I don't. The only real excuse for watching it would either be to review it like this or just out of morbid curiosity. And if it's your morbid curiosity, then I would worry for you. You'd question the person's mental health. Quite possibly. Yeah. And I have things to say about mental health. Which we will get to in a moment. Excellent, because they need to be said. Mm -hmm. You can't see it, but I'm kind of bouncing on my heels here. I know. I can imagine. <laughs> Noel? I recommend this movie not. Yeah, if you had recommended, I'm like, I'm hanging up. We're done. Pretty here. much all the reasons that Evie said. I just, it, you know, there's nothing inherently wrong. You know, we, we said a lot about how the original was a very realistic, very intelligent film. There's nothing inherently wrong with wanting to do a kind of sillier, more bloodier, more carnival ride-esque kill spree. But this wasn't really done all that well. Especially with the way they were catering to the 3D visual effects, which just felt so damn cheap and gimmicky. The characters were awful. They were poorly cast. None of it really made any sense. Things just kind of seemed to happen instead of really being part of a story. There wasn't this thing called a plot. It was just sloppily Foss, made. explain this term to me. Because <laughs> I'm watching that movie, I have no idea exactly what that word is anymore. Here's the thing is, you can tell the guys making this really had a blast doing it and really had fun and passion for doing it. They just had absolutely no talent to back that up. It doesn't seem like they're even aware of their own sloppiness. And it's just, it's so stupid. Yeah, as Evie said, I knew it was Tom. And even though they played the whole trick of he's seeing himself as the killer, it's... It didn't work at all, one bit. And no, they even tried to do the whole myth of Harry Warden and completely failed at it. They tried to do the whole romantic triangle and failed at it. They tried to do the guy who left the town and then came back, dejected, and failed at it. It sucks. This movie sucks. It really does. F quadruple minus. So let's open it up to discussion. If I'm remembering correctly, this movie did come on the first crest of the 3D wave. I'm trying to remember and how so, close this was to Avatar. This came out in January. And Avatar came out? I don't remember. But I know, because this one, I remember specifically this one came out in January because we were going to go see it as a lark for Valentine's Day, but it was already out of uh, theaters by Valentine's Day. Because which Friday. Makes no sense, but okay. Well, no, because Valentine's Day was on a Saturday, much like it was in the mm -hmm. original. And they did the Friday the 13th remake, and that came out on the 13th. So they weren't going to do competing horror movies trying to take some of the business of, you know, the stupid, crappy Valentine's Day movies. It was so obviously an excuse to play with 3D. Mm -hmm. And the problem there being that it translates awkwardly into 2D. I remember yeah. when Evie and I watched it the first time, we rented it and we got the uh, little 3D glasses and everything and we tried to watch it. We made it through the credits. That and then our it. eyes and were going to bleed, so we had to stop. Yeah, and so we flipped it over to the 2D side. It made everything look so fake. There was so much that was obviously plastic or rubber. And it was so digitally enhanced, too. Yeah. Exactly. And this follows the old 3D problem of let's just throw things at the camera. Oh, God, yeah. Which is fine if it works. If but you're when watching you're just... it in 3D, but when you watch it in 2D, it just looks like people are just throwing things at the camera. Well, the thing is, if it like works the in the... Kill the eyeball. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, definitely. If it works within the film, then that's fine. But this was specifically just throw shit at the camera so they could throw shit at the camera. Right. And actually, Avatar came out in December. Yeah, I saw that too. That came out like a year after, yeah. Well, yeah, more or less. So this was way before Avatar. So this had the jump on Avatar and it sucked out loud. So here's the thing is I got the disc that had the glasses too. Mm -hmm. And I watched the mm -hmm. entire film with in those 3D? on. Yeah. I had, to, so I had to take them off for like a five minute break, like every half hour or so. But I got through the whole thing. 
And the 3D was very effective. It, it did work. I mean, straight in the eyes like hell, but the way they shot everything, the way things were flying at the camera, it worked. It wasn't scary, but it looked neat. Yeah. And it still didn't make the film any better. Kind of like Jensen Ackles. <laughs> <laughs> Why is he here? I don't know. Just because. He sits there. He looks pretty. It's the tradition of getting WB actors in slasher movies. Yeah, it, well, the thing is, I'm like, this could have been a WB drama, because I'm like, you got him, he's still on Supernatural, Kerr Smith was on Dawson's Creek, and then he was on Life Unexpected. Well, he was also Final Destination, too, so he's done slashers in the past. Yeah, and Jamie King is on that stupid one with Rachel Bilson right now, so mm -hmm. I'm like, it looks like a... WB drama. I mean, so. that's, it goes right back to, you remember all the slashers of the 90s where they basically just cast everyone from WB? Yeah, and it didn't work because nobody cared. Yeah. I don't know why this... Well, I understand this film. I understand this film. I understand what they were trying to do with the film, and I understand why it didn't work. I'm just surprised that people who made this film didn't figure out why they screwed up. Yeah, like, I listened to the director and screenwriter commentary, and they are so self-congratulatory, and I'm like, you're yeah. idiots. Yeah. You are so stupid, it is physically... This is like an Uwe Boll film, and that you can tell it's made by someone who genuinely thinks they're doing something amazing. And they're yeah, not. Exactly. No, it's just like, they, it. this is essentially like Uwe Ball when he made Auschwitz. Yeah. And he thinks he's making this groundbreaking movie and everyone's just like, no. no. Go just back to Blubberella. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, back to this film. This movie is so stupid, I hate it. Yeah. Yeah, uh, whereas the original did a really good job of presenting this psychological portrait of a small town. I think this movie was attempting to look at the psychology of a single character, specifically Tom. I don't now, even think it was trying to look at the psychology of anything. I think it was just yeah. like, okay, we need him to be the killer. Yeah, no, you, it, it, you're you giving it too much credit, hon. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. I'm getting to the smackdown here. Okay, go right ahead. What I think they were going for was making him someone with a dissociative identity disorder or multiple personality disorder. Both names are apparently acceptable. I looked this up. I honest to God did. And the way dissociative identity disorder, DID, works is that there's two or more separate distinct personalities called alters. And these different alters control the individual at varying times. Now, the thing is, the host personality or whatever you want to call the main individual is unable to remember what goes on when another alter is in charge. And so Tom's you told me and remembering the whole writing on the wall thing mm -hmm. is totally out of whack with the diagnosis. Now, remember, there's a minimum of two alters with disassociative identity disorder. Uh, the average is 10 and there can be up to 100. And the thing is, it's accepted that DID is this defense mechanism against childhood abuse, typically. Uh, kids are the only ones capable of splintering their minds in that way because they're the only ones with minds flexible enough and malleable enough to do something like that. And so it typically happens age five, approximately. So therefore, Tom's a little old for DID by the time the issues that would have caused it cropped up. And now while some alters do harbor aggressive tendencies, and they're typically directed at people in the physical body's environment or even against potentially other alters, overall the goal is to protect the host personality from traumatic memories and just protect it in general. Hmm. And you'll notice that Tom spends a few scenes in the movie popping back pills. You'll notice he dry swallows too, which I can tell you is painful as hell and therefore oh, hell yeah. the most realistic expression on Ackles' face in that entire film. But I used to dry swallow pills all the time. Medication is actually not used to treat DID at all. It just doesn't seem to work. The accepted treatment, the one that seems to work the best, is psychotherapy. Yeah, sweetie, so. but you're giving this movie way too yeah. much. Yeah, I'm like, quite literally, they're like, oh, what's cool? Mental illness. Oh, well, we'll give him two personalities. Okay, well, we'll give him some pills. Okay, like, they know nothing. I mean, and they're, they're literally just ripping off high attention with this entire yeah. thing. And High Tension itself was a stupid movie that mostly oh, yeah. ripped off a of Dean Koontz book. And High Tension also, if you look at it, does not work a lot of the It doesn't make any damn sense at all. Yeah. And so they're ripping that off, too. Yeah, it, it's totally <laughs> stupid. Oh, and this it's is also... It's nonsensical, yeah. Can I talk about some further stupidity while we're here? Because I really want to get this one off my chest. Go ahead. Okay, so after Irene and 
what's-his-face have sex in the motel? That was screenwriter Todd Farmer. Yeah, that was the screenwriter. He wrote himself a sex scene. So much is suddenly explained. (laughs) Actually, no, apparently, according to the commentary, the director asked him to play this character after they had auditioned some guys. Okay. Yeah, I'm sure. Sure. That's what they said. (laughs) No, um... And after the sex scene, when they discuss Valentine's Day and when Irene gives a history of Valentine's Day, which feels very odd coming out of her mouth, she gets it wrong. <laughs> there is no Roman history of Valentine's Day. I don't Day. think that was intended to be a factually accurate moment. Yeah, I think she's supposed to be it a stupid bothered me. That was just what? supposed to be her babbling after sex and he's rolling his eyes like, stop babbling after sex. Yeah. I love during that scene, too, on the commentary, they're like, yeah, you just get lost in their little drama. And I'm like, no, she's a naked whore and I'm waiting for her to die. That's what we're all here for. Here's the thing. She gave the best performance in the entire film. Yeah, which is sad, considering. Which out of the motel in nothing but her shoes and wants to shoot the guy. Mm-hmm. That was pretty That's cool. the best performance in the movie? Yeah, I actually thought that was a really funny scene. Dude, so seriously, <laughs> considering the movie we watched, that is the best she, performance. I give that actress a lot of credit for taking okay. this like completely exploitative scene and actually making it entertaining and kind yeah. of making her character interesting during it. Goes Mind out you. the window as soon as she's attacked. Again, this is I'm going to reference so much to the commentary because it just drives me up the effing wall. They seem to think that you get wrapped up in this drama, and when she hits him in the head with the gun, they're like, oh, that's like a little fake out. I'm like, no, it would be a fake out if you didn't kill him a second later. That's a fake out. When you hit him in the head with something, and then you kill him a second later, that's just fucking stupid. I mean, it would have been interesting if they played up the entire thing that the killer is all ready to kill the guy, and then boom, she shoots the guy right before the killer can get him. And the killer is just standing there like, this is supposed to be my big debut back in this town, damn it. That would have been an interesting thing is do this film from the killer's point of view. Yeah. (laughs) Son of a damn it, naked woman. That is not awesome. (laughs) Okay. And I know for a fact that they did not get that they created a rape allegory when they killed her. They don't get that. She's naked. She's scared. She's alone. She's She's hiding under the bed. She's coital. She's trapped by this. Yeah. The cage that the bed frame makes. The bed becomes a cage and he pierces her through it. Yeah, and the thing exactly. is... the pickaxe is phallic. And then you get the shot of, like, the guts. Well, the thing is, and you get the shot of the guts thrown against the wall, which I'm just like, I think someone just came. <laughs> they're trying to be smart about this film, but they're just such idiots. <laughs> well, the thing is, they didn't get that they made that. They never mention it during the commentary. They're talking about how they think you've gotten lost in their little drama, the fact that he filmed her during sex. And I'm like, no, I'm waiting for them to die. And you didn't realize that you just did a rape allegory. They have no closet. And then I love how Sarah shows up and her husband's just watching the sex scene over and over and over again. He's like, oh, no, I'm actually just watching the window here. He's watching evidence. I'm I'm not watching. It's the window over there. You know, just you want to step back before I get up from under the table here and... (laughs) Exactly. You passed me a tissue. (laughs) Okay, and Noel, you and I both said that we knew it was Tom. When did you know? I had heard it before. Oh, okay. I had it spoiled for me, but they've spent so much time focusing on Tom with the whole opening Harry Warden scene Mm -hmm. that it didn't surprise me at all. As it was playing out, I kept trying to see, well, I can see where they're trying to say it could be Axel, it could be Tom. I just didn't buy it as Axel. I had read some reviews that didn't actually spoil it before I'd watched it. But one of the things was that they didn't mention any kind of thing with the kid because there would have been like some kind of trailer. Because if it was Axel, they would have mentioned something with, you know, teasing for a sequel or whatever or having something to do with the kid. And they'd never really mentioned the kid. Yeah. So when I see the kid, I'm like, well, the ending of 3D didn't serve as sequel baiting when he's walking away. No, I think it's, well, in the um, in no, the original, I, he runs away. I think she meant an alternative ending as opposed to what they did here. Yeah, because it's like if it had been Axel, for instance. You know they would totally set up his son, yeah. Yeah, because you know, oh, because apparently insanity, you just can catch that now. Because yeah. your parents, at, I'm like, which they If a killer mental- sneezes on you, you're going to become a killer. <laughs> they, well, okay, I swear Does to God. Does have to start wearing a face mask around you, Evie, or? <laughs> Hey, you can't prove anything. Um, He's not a psycho killer, at least until a jury convicts her otherwise. That's because they. <laughs> I'm going to kick your ass. 
But during the one point when um, Tom gets the blood on his face in the commentary, that's apparently supposed to be a big clue that it's passed to him like that. And I'm like, A, that is not how mental illness works. It is insulting to people who have mental illness. B, you're all idiots. And C, that would have made much more sense if it had been Axel then, because, you know, it would have literally been passed through the blood, even though that's not how it works. But again, they're all idiots. So how would they know? At least he didn't transmit it to Tom sexually. Oh, that would have And then they, they had the whole scene where he's locked in the cage during the killing. I'm like, yeah. he's making this up in his own mind, isn't he? Sure uh, enough, yeah, exactly. I just instantly clicked on, they're doing the high tension thing, aren't they? Yeah. Well, that what they're is... trying to do is play this whole mirroring card. You've got this sort of mirror motif everywhere, the motel ceiling. You've got the movement in the mind where he and the killer stand up sort of the same... in synchronicity. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. got Axel in the interrogation room. Um, mm -hmm. There's so many instances of this sort of reflection imagery. And it's trying to be clever. The one time that I liked that was when Sarah had the gun on both of them and yeah. didn't know which one was the killer. Mm -hmm. And Axel just says, Hun, just shoot both. us both. We'll sort it out later. Yeah. It, well, I mean, at that point, if you had any idea that it was Axel. I'm like, it's not. Right. Like, he was married to Sarah, so I'm like, okay, so it's not him, because they have His a kid. wife, who he has sex with. Yeah, I'm like, she would kind of, well, you would think that she would know, but apparently she doesn't know everything, so I DK. Yeah, you would think if it were Axel, what was the trigger? Because mm. Tom, you know, the trigger's just he came back to town. Well, they say that he was at a mental hospital, and I'm like, but they don't just let you out. You have to prove that you're, you're Well, that's why they gave better. him a prescription to pills. That did nothing. Just how you treat the ID. Yeah, which, but again, this movie's stupid, so they wouldn't know that. They just wanted yeah. to give him pills to well, swallow. Well, he's, but... uh, let's say he's the killer. Oh, he has schizophrenia. You know, uh, let's give him some pills. You know, that's, yeah. that was literally probably the thought process there. Didn't go they beyond that. They don't even that. say what he has. They're just like, oh, sometimes he's If he has a split personality, some... that's schizophrenia. If he has a mental disorder, he can take some pills for it. That's literally the level of thinking they did. Yeah, they're, they're idiots. You're assuming they even wikipedia this stuff. I don't even think they went that far. It's literally mental disorders and disease as come up with by complete idiots. Yeah. Like someone who has just a very, very vague idea of how it works. That's the only way to explain it. Yeah. But no, I actually figured out it was Tom. And when we watched it the first time, I totally didn't tell you. But when he was the one who forgot to bleed the lines, I'm like, so he's going to be the killer. See, I didn't even pick up on that plot element until the second time I watched it. Because he's the only one who technically survives this whole thing because, you know, it, the mind explosion was all his fault. See, and I didn't pick up on that. I didn't pick up on his tie to that the first time I watched it, probably because I was still adjusting my eyes to the 3D <laughs> as they were swooping in these news stories one after the other. Apparently they had, like, exposition within the movie that they were going to do, but instead they just did this. And I'm like, considering yeah. the movie, it's probably better that you just did this. Because I was it's actually wondering, part. when I first watched it, there was that scene in the bar where he says, I didn't kill those people. You know, mm -hmm. it's like... Wait, why did anyone think that he would have killed those people? And it wasn't until the second viewing that I got the whole bleeding the mind of methane thing. Yeah. So I'm like, at that point, I figured out it was him. And it's his guilt that drove him to this. Yeah. Yep. Super magic guilt. I don't... It was when he started popping pills. The first what? time you watched it, you thought it was Axel that was the killer. Well, you see, <laughs> with his mental body? disorder, he's perceiving it as a bottle of pills where it's actually just some, you know, Tic Tacs. There you go. It could be, dude. It could be. Hey. The Tic Tacs were the real pills. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we still don't know how we got out of the hospital considering I'm like, well, and I love that Axel uses that as like the a The cave was like, the real hospital. Oh my God, it totally was. <laughs> Axel didn't even get a phone call. <laughs> a wizard did it. Tom called. <laughs> Pretending to be the guy calling about Tom. Yeah, exactly. Okay, um, they have, like, some dropped storylines that they totally have that are stupid. Like what? Like, Megan. Who was Megan? Oh, the pregnancy Ax thing? Yeah, oh, yeah, Axel's banging her, and she's pregnant. And, and she then just they gets killed, yeah. And the thing is, in the commentary, they're like, there's such a great payoff. I'm like, no, because no one finds out she's pregnant. What blew my mind is that Axel's introduced as a douchey cheater. Yeah. And then later, they try to make him this sympathetic guy when he's apologizing to Sarah, yeah. you know, after he accuses her of cheating on her with Tom. Yeah. And then he's playing this good cop when they're looking at a 
think it's Ben's body. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Ben's body. Here's what was weird was... It seems like Sarah says she knows about the affair, but then in a later scene, she's surprised about the affair. Like, you know, there's the earlier scene where she's like, I'm not blind, where it seems like she knows about the affair. Mm -hmm. And then in the end, then like later on, she's like, you did what? Yeah, it's. Yeah. Didn't you just say like a few scenes ago that you knew what was going on and now you don't know what was. It's like, uh, what? Was there like some reshoots there that got screwed up? Yeah. I'm like, did we miss something? There was a lot of flip-flopping with Sarah because there's a point where uh, she talks about how 10 years was this huge issue when she's dealing with Tom. And then all of a sudden, it's no big deal. And then all of a sudden, it's this huge drama and she hates him for it. It's made like a WB drama where it's dramatic until they don't need it to be dramatic and they totally drop it. Yeah. I now want to see Gossip Girl as written by Todd Farmer. Yes. (laughs) No, I don't, because then it would be even more boring than it already is. Yeah, but then he'll write himself parts where he gets to bang women. I no one needs to see that, Noel. No one ever needs to see that. No, I know. Ever. I will say there was one actor that I did like. And who was that? Apart from Tom um, Atkins, our buddy from the Fog. No, and why is he in here? I he could do so much better. Him and actually, I think it's Kevin Teak. Je ne, I don't know how to Kevin pronounce Teague? it. But yeah. I don't know why they're both in here, but they are for whatever reason. Besides Betsy Rue, who is adorable as Irene, even while naked. Again, I can't pronounce his last name, but Eddie, he was Darwin in X-Men First Class. I like him as the deputy. I know him from Twilight. I know you do. And I chose not to mention it. I'm so impressed that this movie didn't say, and featuring the star of Twilight. (laughs) Well, this came out before Twilight. No, no, it didn't. Twilight came out in 2008. Really? Yeah, and, and he was in that first one. 2008. Huh. Well, I blacked that out. <laughs> yeah, no, they were good, but, you know, they didn't really do anything with him. And I also liked the female deputy, played by Karen mm-hmm. Baum. Deputy Ferris. She was the one who was in the house where the kid was. And, and she right. survived. I liked that. She was good. It, but Tom Atkins, such a great presence at first. Yeah. And then, like, they just kind of keep forgetting what to do with him and then rip out his jawbone. <laughs> Yeah, and then they just kill him, and I'm like, oh, that's great. We talk about, you know, the bits that they do for 3D that don't translate to 2D pretty well. There's that part where the killer just lets go with a pickaxe, and Tom Atkins is just struggling with it swinging around from his jawbone. Mm-hmm. Oh, the handle's coming out the camera, you know, and all that stuff, and yeah. the handle's going out from the camera. It's like dragging it on just for the 3D effect, but in 2D yeah. it looks awful. It's like they, they almost should have recut the film for 2D, you know? You can tell they filmed it for 3D because it does not work as a 2D film. It looks ridiculous. What you totally want to see in 3D is Tom Atkins in his 60s with a pickaxe out of his mouth going, yeah. <laughs> This movie is well, like yeah, Friday the 13th. I wanted when I went in. <laughs> this movie is like Friday the 13th 3D. Yeah, it did the whole gimmick thing, yeah. Yeah. Everything they can throw at the camera, even if it's not during a horror scene, they're going to stick something at the camera. Yeah. Oh, my God. I love how Friday the 13th 3D, let's open our 3D movie with an old guy going out to an outhouse. Well, that's how I'd open my 3D movie, but, you know, just shit on people's expectations. Literally. (laughs) I'm going to shit on people's expectations in 3D. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we're only like a few years away from it, so. Yeah. Wait until Uwe Boll makes a 3D movie. Oh, oh, God, don't say it. Now it's going to happen. Yeah, but his movies don't get released theatrically, so... It yeah, would but be now kind that of... they make 3D TVs, they don't have to. Yeah, but you would actually have to own one. No, I know. What is it they say? That if you're pregnant, epileptic, have a history of migraines, blah, 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 you shouldn't watch have a urinary tract condition. Urinary tract Yeah. If you have a brain and it tends to function and you can see out of both your eyes, you probably shouldn't watch anything in 3D. Well, hey, I made it through this whole film. Yeah. I get migraines from 3D, so I can't watch it. I do it so sporadically that, yeah, my eyes need a few minutes to adjust to it. But, yeah, I can go through a whole film on it. Yeah, no, I always end up with a migraine no matter what it is. Did anyone at any point think that Sarah was going to leave Axel for Tom at all? No. I thought she might leave Axel, but I didn't think she was going to go to Tom. Uh, well, the thing is, exactly. as, as I thought soon... she'd go to Deputy. Yeah. Hells yeah. <laughs> I'd hit that. What? Deputy Martin, oh, yeah. It's hot. I heard you were in awesome Twilight. Way to play it out. <laughs> What's up? Let's see some chocolate sparkle. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I made a made a Thor reference this episode. I can go home. I already no, have not yet. Up. <laughs> 
But no, as soon as they made her and Axel married, I'm like, well, she's not leaving him. And he's obviously not the killer because if he were, there'd be a whole thing with the kid and reviews never mentioned it. Right. So. But it's like, you know, 10 years later, are they still just going to be dating? Yeah. Like, I'm surprised that, you know, they, they took that huge year gap and put it there. Yeah. As opposed to in the original film, TJ was gone for what, a year or two? Yeah. Nobody was that old. It wasn't long at all. It was, I think it was a year and a half. It worked because there was also a time frame between when the original killings happened and when exactly. this happened. So it had a time to build up the myth. And the whole Valentine's Day tie is really weak. It just yeah, happens to be that that was the day Harry that. Warden woke up. Yeah, it's like it's really tenuous. There's no motivating factor to it at all. Yeah, whereas with the original, there obviously well, the, was a connection so to Valentine's deeply tied Day. And the to Valentine's it, yeah. was... Yeah. yeah. And even the whole art motifs that we covered and all that stuff isn't, isn't here... They yeah, didn't they, pick they up do on it once. They do it Except once. The boxes. There's a whole bunch of other boxes, and there's just one that gets delivered, and it's delivered to Axel. I'm just talking about the whole overwhelming heart motif of the original film in terms oh, of yeah. the decorations all over the place, the beating of the heart on the soundtrack, mm-hmm. the way that the entire That's story is about a broken about. heart. Yeah. They took a theme and they found like every single way to explore it. Yeah, they had the heartbeat on the soundtrack here. I'm like, they're idiots because they didn't do that. Yeah. They didn't think to. And here's how intelligent the original film was, is that we've completely forgot to mention this one scene where the sheriff comes back to the station and sees a box of chocolates Mm -hmm. and expects it to be another bloody heart. But it's an actual Valentine's. Oh, but it's from your dead girlfriend. And he has this like little moment and I'm like, we liked Mabel. And it's so, so it what's ties sad into the whole thing so beautifully. And again, it takes like the consequence. That was a film where, you know, slasher films are so empty about the consequences of, of people dying. That yeah. really was a great moment where Mabel didn't deserve to die. And look at what's happening now as a result, you know? Yeah, we're used to having like old slasher movies where it's basically cannon fodder, the movie. Mm-hmm. And there we actually cared about them. Whereas here, I'm like, are you guys de- Megan? Okay. Again, going back to the comic. Megan was cannon fodder right from the start. Oh, yeah. yeah. They seem to think that when she attacks the miner with the mop, that that's like a heroic moment and you're just so sad when she dies. I'm like, she fucking attacks a miner. Damn it, you're going to streak me. Yeah, with a mop. I thought she was the biggest idiot and was like, are you fucking dead? I cannot believe they did the old trick of the killer's at the door, so let's go out the window. Wait, something's wrong. Oh, now he's at the window. Yeah. A, apparently he can transport, and B, why didn't Sarah hit the alarm right away? Because, yeah, he was chopping through the door. Why did they push the desk up against the door instead of actually picking the desk up and putting it over the door? Yeah. Because that would have made too much sense. Because that would be something that would be harder for him to pick through, and he can't come through the window. Yeah. Because that's all locked up. With the, oh, granted, he probably could use the pickaxe on the lock and just pull that off. But that's still another point that you can just fight him back from because he has to work his way up into the room. Yeah. And again, they could, at that point, they could hit the alarm. Yeah, why did she wait so fucking long to hit the alarm? I know. According to, again, this is what happens when I watch the commentary and then I want to track down these two guys and just, like, seriously go hostile on them. I almost want to send Eli Roth a thank you for those movies <laughs> because A, I really like them, and B, they're now a how-to manual. According to them on the commentary, it was because the pickaxe is coming through the door, and I'm like, yeah, but he's just kind of smashing at the door, so she could have at still gone first, over it. it wasn't yeah. coming through the door, like when yeah. they first got into the room. There wasn't anything coming through the door. Exactly. You could have hit just, it. It was then. once they shoved the desk up towards the door that it actually started coming through. If yeah. I yes, and even correctly. then, it's just starting to poke through. It's not like gnashing like five feet in every direction. Exactly. It it's like he can't have time. Yeah, it's like it's not that he can suddenly reach in and grab you. Oh, and apparently later when he's at the window, Sarah has the world's strongest buttons on her shirt. <laughs> Because he's just uh, dragging yeah. her yes, by those yes, things. Yes, when he hooks her shirt, yeah. I'm like, my okay, God. Maybe this is me being pedantic, but with Megan's body up against the wall or whatever outside, when there's the big heart done up in blood and be mine forever oh, yeah. over top, and it's forever, the number mm-hmm. four, and then ever. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting there, and the first thing I think of would three more letters have killed him? Honestly. That's supposed to be a callback, though, to what she wrote in the Valentine's Day card. Yeah, I know. It bugs me. Yeah, but it's supposed to be a play on that because that's what she wrote in the Valentine card to Axel that she gave no, to I him. She... That. It still irritates me. But, I mean, the killer is trying to taunt Axel at that point, so that's why it's there. Also, he was tweeting. 
Also that. He, he was trying to tweet in blood. Damn kids. Walls. They're twitters in there. Pudding pops. <laughs> MP3s. I want to see a Neon Cat slasher movie. Yes, please. Yes. Anything is better than this. No, I would honestly pay good money to see a Neon Cat slasher movie. My bloody Numa Numa guy. Um, <laughs> Someone write these down. Razor blade to Numa Numa. <laughs> Someone please write these down and send them to movie producers or just write <laughs> scripts because they need to happen. No, don't, because they'll take them and then you'll end up with this thing. <laughs> Jensen Eccles, I love him from Supernatural, but mm-hmm. he's a TV actor. The only moment of his that I really liked was the when he comes back to the town and he goes up onto the hill above the mine. Mm-hmm. And then he has and to get down, down on his haunches. And, okay, and the thing yeah, that for the t- most part, he just looks like he's pondering his grocery list and realizing yeah. that he forgot something. His crazy face is not the most convincing crazy face. Exactly. I will give this movie one thing, and this is you can tell that the director here is in fact an editor because um, when he's walking along and he's smashing out those lights, every time he smashes out a light, you get the flash of him as the miner. That's the only clever, cool thing that they did the entire movie. I saw that as sort of a call out to the original movie and there were a couple more of those and I wasn't sure whether that was insulting because of just the quality of the movie or whether it was actually a halfway decent homage because you have the progressive smashing of the lights in the mine like you're talking about you have the body in the dryer you have the party in the mine though the circumstances are obviously different there. Well I think in the original film there was a reason for him smashing the lights here it was just a visual. I did think it looked cool. It was still stupid. You do have when Sarah's running through at one point, you have all the uniforms that are falling on her, which mm. it's an homage, but it's the clumsiest homage. I think the only there we go. one. It's a clumsy homage. I love how when she's in her husband's fuck bungalow, mm-hmm. that there's the whole closet full of these old Valentine's Day boxes that are just so perfectly crammed in there so that they'll spill out the moment she opens the door. Which, again, they're trying to play with that whole thing that, you know, how... Axel is it tall? Yeah. Yeah, which, again, I'm like, well, if they were clever, they could have done the thing because he would have found their fuck bungalow (laughs) and maybe the card could have still been there because Axel's not going to take it with him. But this movie's not that smart. Now I want fuck bungalow 3D. (laughs) Dude, I would have rather watched that than this thing. Axel's fuck bungalow 3D. (laughs) You know... The more and more I watch these horrible movies, I'm like, I owe Assault on Precinct 13 such an apology for the remake. It was clumsy, but it was at least clever and did something with what it had. It sort of tied into the original material, but it still did its own thing. Whereas here, I'm like, it's so goddamn stupid and lazy. Like, I mean, like, here's the thing is this is a movie that's as bad as The Fog. I'd say this is worse than The Fog because The Fog is at least interesting. The remake of The Fog, I could laugh at that. I can't laugh the at this. The thing about the remake of The Fog is there are actually some really good ideas in there. Mm-hmm. They just don't execute them very well. This one, it doesn't even feel like they have a clue what they're doing. Yeah, it's They literally... just took the premise of the original and decided, hey, let's do something with that. I think they saw the original in high school and hadn't seen it since and were like, let's go ahead and just do our own thing with it. And saw the Fangoria article about it and were like, yeah. oh, those are the cool let's bits. pump we up the gore. Here's how I knew what kind of a movie I was going to be in for was when Harry Warden wakes up in the hospital, cut back to the hospital where it's just littered with all these ridiculously torn to shred corpses. Yeah, because apparently no one would makes a sound while they're being murdered so brutally. No one thinks to run away. Just, no, uh, sure. And what thing the thing is, it's a hospital, and presumably there's security. There's presumably cops not far. You would think there would be a cop watching him. You, you, no, no. Or it's a cop in the hospital in general. Every time yeah. I've been in a hospital. Yeah, you, we um, do have some kind of security. I don't think this was a hospital. I think this was a care home because he was in a coma ward. Oh, well, I... They and he had been there for a year. Okay, I know it's your turn to be giving the movie credit. You're not usually no, going to be in a hospital, hospital by that point. You're going to be transferred after a few months to a care home. You would think so, but this movie is made by idiots, so it probably was supposed to be a hospital. And even if mm. you're in a care home, they can still get away. And the thing is, not everyone was in a coma, so it was... This movie's stupid! It makes my head hurt. It's so stupid. At least with the fog, there was something to that. Yeah. I mean, Maggie Grace sucked, but, you know. You could see they had germs of an interesting spin on the material. Of, yeah, you know, the whereas... whole reincarnation angle of various aspects of the plot. You could tell they were really trying to think it through, but they just didn't pull it off. 
This one, it doesn't even seem like they're just doing it for the lulls. Yeah. They're just trying to have fun with this, and it's not even fun. No, they're not even trying to have fun. I think they're honest to God trying to play this straight. They thought that they made, like, a really great horror movie. <laughs> if you uh, know, like, from you the listen- perspective of the directors and the director commentary, yeah, obviously that was their intent. What's nice about The Fog is that he didn't really think he made a great movie. Yeah. No, these guys, like, they it, thought they made a great horror movie. Yeah. Watching it, it's as though they're trying to play it straight. Yeah, which is why it's just so... It's, and it's not even funny because it's so bad. It takes so many different things from, like, horror movies. And it just takes every stupid thing, throws it against the wall, and none of it sticks. I really, really wish I could find their scripts for Halloween 3 and Hellraiser reboot just to see Ugh. how awful they are. Because <laughs> they both almost got made. I will thank the Weinsteins, who I hate, with every fiber of my being, the Weinsteins. Thank they made you for Shakespeare not. In love. Thank I you for them. not letting these two make. I like Shakespeare in Love. Thank I you for it. not letting these two make Halloween Three and Hellraiser. This is the only thing that you've done that is good. So, anything else you want to add about this movie? Um, watch it on the WB um, Mondays at eight. I hate this movie. I hate this movie so much. I'm going to find the screenwriter and director and I'm going to flay their skin off. I think what bugged me most was the abuse of the Axel and TJ characters, whereas in the original, they were actually likable. Well, they mm-hmm. were characters and the, they, were, yeah, like, they were fully realized persons. Here they were things on exactly. a screen. And they were halfway decent characters. Like, decent people, aside from Axel turning out to be a psycho killer. But in the remake, they're these douchebags. Yeah. I mean, you have Tom who's going to sell the mine and put the entire town out of work. you got Axel who's cheating on his wife. Yeah, neither of these guys deserve Sarah, so it's like... (laughs) This is why she should go off with the deputy. Exactly. That, and also, like, the mine, I'm like, they say that he's going to close the mine. I'm like, but I don't actually see any miners. Oh, but then, like, ten minutes later, he's like, I changed my mind. I'm not closing the mine. Yeah. They don't really do anything with it, yeah. They need it until they don't need it, and then they drop it. It's like the only aspect we get of, oh, this entire town hates you for wanting to sell the mine. The only time we actually see that is the one guy punching the mirror, you know? And And also, I'm like, I didn't actually see any miners or any guys that look like miners. Because you see in in the first movie... They were all miners. They all kind of looked like miners. They had the soot and everything. I'm like, yeah. maybe just one guy with soot. Just one guy. That's all I'm asking. <laughs> Movie, come on. Yeah, even when they go in the mines, there's no soot. They're all just so super clean. Hollywood mine. Come on. See, and then what's interesting is that, yeah, this entire thing, kind of like how Harry Warden was, well, I don't want to say the man. entire thing, but how Harry Warden was this lingering thing. Everything that happens in this film was Tom's fault. Yeah. The entire methane explosion was Tom's damn fault, you know? Yeah, pretty much. I'm like, everything that happens is his fault. Because so he's like, he's an yeah. asshole douchebag, yeah. Yeah, yeah you do, there's nothing here to care about. And it's like, you want to even care about Sarah, but she's just stuck with so, terrible writing, too. I mean, it's, yeah. I, I don't want to fault the, the actress. I mean, the actress does what she can, yeah. yeah. She's yeah. probably one of the strongest actors in the film. Even Kerr Smith and Jansen Ackles is... don't do a bad job. They're just working off They're of such really awful material. Yeah, yeah, it's like, mm. these are just horribly written characters. There's like nothing so they can do with it. Yeah, it's really like, we harp on it, but I'm like, it's not the fault of the actors. It's the fault of the screenwriter and the director for not having done a better job. I mean, I've actually seen Jamie King do some really awful stuff in the earlier part of her career. Mm-hmm. But here she actually gives a good performance. She's just, there's nothing there for her to really work off of. All the stuff that Mac was saying that we liked about Sarah in the first one, how she was capable and how at the last, you know, where it's like they keep wanting her to be. But then it's like, no, wait, we need her to be this for the scene to be, you know, scary, you know, and it's like, shut up. Exactly. (laughs) This is a film where you want to just go up to the filmmakers and just say, shut up. (laughs) Just make your damn movie right. That's not how it works. You'd want to be funny. That's not how you be funny. You want to be scary. That's not how you be scary. You want to do a fun carnival ride. That's not how you do it. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, we can call this My Bloody Valentine, You're Doing It Wrong. I would call it My Bloody Valentine, The OC Edition. Because <laughs> if you've ever watched The OC, this is sort of the way it's paced. I count myself blessed that I have never watched an episode of The OC. Just imagine this movie, but without all the killing, and that's The OC. So any final thoughts on my Bloody Valentine 3D? 
I felt really oh, bad for Rosa when she got tossed in the um, dryer. Yeah. She wasn't a fully realized character either, by the way, but I, I felt bad yeah, for her. And we saw her for, what, 10 seconds? No, we saw her, like, she had a couple of scenes. I think it was maybe her second or third scene that she got killed When you off. get thrown in a dryer, your face isn't going to melt that yeah. way. Well, that was supposed to be an homage to the original. Yeah, but in the original, version. she was boiled and kind of steamed. She wasn't yeah. melting to the point where it was just bones and whatnot. Yes, but again, this movie's stupid. Yeah. I don't. I hate this movie so much. So much. I do too. I've, I love the original for years, and I've always been so hesitant to check this one out. And now you know why. <laughs> this even has me reevaluating my love of Todd Farmer's Jason X script. Mm. <laughs> I, I have to go back and give that a read now with fresh eyes, now that I've seen his broader body of work. <laughs> yeah, no, having listened to them on the commentary, apparently they were letting like the actors take passes on their dialogue and suggest things. And That's this not and always that. a bad thing, as long as you're working with them. No, the thing is, in fact, any point where there was like good little character moments and things like that. All the actors did that. Like they were even saying it in the commentary where they're just like, oh, yeah, you know, they came up with this little thing and da da da. And I'm like, yeah, no, anything that works is entirely from the actors. Anything hey, at least that doesn't they're being work open is and that. upfront about it instead of just trying to steal credit for it yes but this is before it came out and everyone was like it sucks ass this is back when they thought that they had made a masterpiece it's kind of a backpedaling thing i hate it when they record an audio commentary before a film is released yeah. you should never do that yeah well if they had recorded it after it would have just been them crying one of my favorite openings to an audio commentary is death to smoochie mm -hmm. where danny devito opens that audio commentary by saying it's been three weeks since the film opened we're still in mourning because he loves he loved the film, but he got to then accurately reflect on what the public reception of yeah. the film was. Whereas if you're just mm. recording a commentary before the film ever comes out, everyone's just going to be glowing on it. Yeah. They're just like, oh. There's no can... reflection. Yeah. I'm like, no, put them into like the recording studio after and just like have this really awkward thing. Because you get some well... people where they have, if their movie flops, you have people who then will never talk again. And I'm like, I totally freaking want to hear that. Or even then, if, you know, they'll be angry about it and be like, mm -hmm. damn it, you didn't understand my masterpiece. Well, yeah, exactly. It's like, defend You're your movie. from the wrong perspective. <laughs> yeah, it's like, defend your movie as opposed yeah. to just being like, oh, yeah. Oh, no, I hope I'm everyone likes this. I hope everyone likes this. No, people didn't. What do you yeah. think about that? Exactly. Well, and the thing is, this movie was like scathingly panned, but still, it was a financial success. Yeah, but most slasher films are financial successes just because they're cheap enough that they always That's true. do more than break even. Like, I mean, most slasher films are in like the, what, 20 to $40 million range. If, this if one makes... was 15 million, so it was 15 million, yeah. So if it makes 50, 60 million, it's a hit. It made a hundred million. That's not like blockbuster numbers, but that's really good for fifteen million budget. Yeah, that's sad though that it made a hundred million. It makes me cry. Well, I think this was so early in the three D trend that people just were curious about the gimmick. Oh yeah, no, that's the reason that Mac and I were gonna go see it on Valentine's Day was because it looked stupid and it had that gimmick, but yeah. then they didn't have it in theaters anymore, so I was like, eh, whatever. That's fine. Okay, okay. I have some numbers here. The budget for My Bloody Valentine 3D was $15 million. I already said it was $15 million. You're being repetitive. Shut up. Open weekend, $21.2 million. Overall gross, $51.5 million within the U.S. Within the U.S., so it was probably yeah, $100 million Yeah, that's domestic, so it was $100 million. It was over $100 million altogether. Well, even still, $50 million domestic for a $15 million movie, yeah. that's a success. I mean, exactly. obviously not enough to get a sequel, thank God. Yeah, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, you know, here, let, let's go ahead into the final question of the podcast. If you had to pick one of these two movies to watch once a year, every year for the rest of your life, I think we all know which one it would be. Yeah, we don't even have to do the question. I, at That's this, a stupid question. <laughs> at this point, it's a stupid question. It's a smart question in a lot of episodes, but not when we get to ones one, like this. At this point, after we finished the first podcast, we could have just asked the question then. Because we didn't need to ask it at the end of this, because none of us were going to pick this I one. Know. I pick this one. No, you don't. No, I don't. I'm just being contrary. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't. You can't even. I was about to reach through the internet and slap I you. I already watched the original like every few years anyways. So yeah. it's, I never want to see this remake again. I don't again. have the original on DVD, but I'm freaking buying it on DVD now. 
I'm going to get it for you just so you can have it. It's so good. I love this movie. Like, I love the original. This I have the 2009 version, but I bought it at Toy Traders for like a buck 99. If I had paid any more than that for it. I paid for the whole Blu-ray. Yeah. Well, I buy everything that we watch on this show, so I'm never going to watch this movie. I, I am going to listen to the audio commentary. Oh, God, just listen to, to it that. In. It's so self-congratulatory, like. They, I, they, I really want uh, to hear that just for the lulls. I don't think I could even listen to it for the lulls. Well, that's because you have high-heeled shoes that you might then throw at the TV. <laughs> Noel does not, so he's fine. I actually have, my dad gave me this, is a TV brick, mm-hmm. where it's this little, little, a red brick, but it's made out of foam, so you can throw it at your TV without <laughs> breaks. So you can literally throw a brick at the TV without hurting it. <laughs> There's a little icon on it of someone hurling it at a TV, and it's called the TV brick. That's actually really clever. Mm-hmm. I'm going to need one of those, too. No, you know what? I'm just going to need a real brick so that I can go no, ahead No, because the TV should never be punished for the films that are on there. No, no, it wasn't for, it's not for the TV. It's for um, Todd Farmer and Patrick, whose last <laughs> name I can't pronounce, and I don't care, because this whole episode I haven't been able to pronounce anyone's name. Oh, my God. And now they've become a team, so they're, like, making everything together now. I never want to see this film again. No. I have this up there with the Rob Zombie Halloween remake of, you know, there's moments in that that I found that I could appreciate, but I still never want to see it again. <laughs> yeah. But whereas with this movie, there's nothing there's I appreciate. There's nothing. There's the one, shoot us both. That's the yeah. only thing in this movie that I really liked. I like that. And I like the thing with the, you get the flashes of him as the minor, but that just looked really cool. But that again, was a nice trailer the- shot, but it really didn't add anything. Well, the thing is, actually, they shot that specifically because they couldn't show Jensen smashing it. So they wouldn't even actually show that full thing in the trailer. They would have only shown the minor. No, I know. Though, but you yeah. know, honestly, it's not really that big of a spoiler. If they yeah. Had. Well, no, they say, oh, no. When you listen to the commentary, they think it's like the biggest spoiler. Oh, and my God, this, you guys. Like, yeah. They think they have these really great misleads. And I'm just like, do they got our red herrings, guys. Oh, yeah, they think they're so brilliant. I'm just like, my God, you're morons. Here's how great the original was. There's nothing in the original that makes Axel a suspect. Exactly. You think it could be Harry Warden. It could very likely be TJ. There's Mm -hmm. even moments where they make it like it could be the sheriff or someone like that. Mm -hmm. They never, ever drop any hints that it's Axel. And so it's so completely in the background. But then when you watch it again, you realize... Yes, everything is perfectly lining up for it to be Axel. Actually, at one point in the remake, there's like a point where Tom disappears for 17 minutes and they call it out in the commentary. And I'm like, yeah, I didn't realize because I was so goddamn bored by this movie. Congratulations. (laughs) I didn't know that your main character was gone for 17 minutes. Yeah. Like slow clap for you guys. Well done. These guys, they don't have a fucking clue what they're doing. No, obviously not. And it's just awful because it's so disrespectful to such a great movie, yeah. Original movie, yeah. yeah. For the 1981 version, which is classified as a B movie, it manages to still be a great film. Pun and intended. And you've got, but um, but then you have the 3D that's got this high budget and it's got all these bells and whistles and really they don't do shit with it. It's nothing. Yeah. Exactly. It's nothing. There is no substance. Yeah. At all. Yeah. It's sad because there's such opportunity there because the original, mm. yeah, the whole mind setting, the whole coming back to the town you escape from, the whole just the image of the coal miner suit with the gas mask and the pickaxe is just such a great image. Mm-hmm. And there's so much that they could have done with this film. I mean, you could have even just stuck with the original storyline, just updated the setting, and yeah. you could have still automatically had a good movie. I would have been interested to see them like completely go outside the box and re-explore it and find new things to do with it. But this is not it. It's like they took surface things from the original movie without understanding how any of it worked. Yes. Yeah. And just did their own thing with it. I mean, like, you know, we talked about how Halloween changed a bunch of stuff. Rob Zombie understood how the original worked. He just didn't want to do it that way intentionally. Yeah. And you can argue about whether or not he did a good job of doing it his own way. But yeah. here it's like they don't even understand it. There was a romantic triangle, but they don't understand why that worked. There was the whole guy coming back to the town, but they don't understand why that worked. There's the whole mind thing. They don't understand. Yeah, it's taken the veneer from the original yes. and it's just slapped it on top of something that 
it wants to be the original. It wants to live up to that. And so it uses those ideas, but it just falls flat on its ass. Pissing your name in the snow is never going to match <laughs> your, your actual signature. It's like they took a signature yes. from the Declaration of Independence and pissed it in the snow. <laughs> that is the most beautiful, beautiful metaphor that is, ever. That, that, well, that, technically simile. My apologies. Okay, I think we're done. <laughs> no one's going to match that. We're done. Everyone go home. Good night, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I think we are done with my bloody Valentine. Forever. I'm going to burn my Never copy. Like with fire. Everyone like, just, just ignore the existence of the remake and go watch the original. Everybody yes. go watch the original. Whether you like slasher films or not, go watch the original. And not just watch it, go buy the DVD. It's one of those things where I'm like, I actually recommend buying the DVD. It's that good. But get the and, theatrical version. Well, you know what? No, if you're a gorehound, you... They, if you're a gorehound, they, you might like that. But, you know, if you're someone who's not really into slasher films, but you still want a good film... Just watch the theatrical cut because they cut all the nasty stuff out. And the thing is, I think the special edition actually has both. Yeah. So you luck out. So there you exactly. go. Exactly. Best of both worlds. Well, it depends yeah. on it. Yeah. So go buy that and just pretend that the 09 version doesn't exist. And I'm going to go set my copy on fire along with the pairs of 3D glasses it came with. I demand to join you in this sacrifice. I almost want to bring my Blu-ray to ECCC so we can smash it together. Well, no, I want to that find... Would be a beautiful thing. It could be this communal cathartic Catharsis? Well, I Cathar was actually going to burn it or I was going to sell it back to uh, Toy Traders. Good luck. <laughs> That's pretty much my plan. It sucks. We're done. Yeah. yeah. Original. We are great movie. Remake. It's a sphincter in existence. Yeah. And I find that might actually be insulting to sphincters. Yes. That's how bad it is. <laughs> this movie is just, I loathe it so yes, much. I do too. I hate the fact that this movie exists. Yeah. You know, I still recognize that remakes have a right to exist. I just don't want this film to exist because it's a terrible, terrible movie. Yeah, it's like, it's not that it's, this isn't based on the fact that it's a remake. It's because it's a it's terrible movie. It's just a movie. terrible movie, yeah. Yeah. It's, oh my God, was this I, bad. I think... Dude, this makes Godzilla look like an effing masterpiece at this point. Godzilla's go at least fun. There's at least yeah. something light and entertaining about it. Yeah, I'm like, I thought it was dumb, but at least I could laugh at some of it. Like, I thought the fog was dumb, but I could laugh at that. It's just, there's nothing in this film to enjoy. There's just, it's nothing. so It's, it's like the amusing rubber tree. So we should probably bring this to a close, or else we're just going to try to think of different ways to say the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. What are the variants on how we can hate this movie? Exactly. I just hate it so much. Let me count the ways. I load thee to the depth and breadth of my soul. Not even the hooker had a heart of boob. Exactly. Would that have killed them? Just slap a tattoo on there. Come on. And he saw it as he was passing by the window, and that's what triggered it all. Yeah, if anything, the only thing that seems to trigger him is the fact that he sees people getting sexed. Sex is bad, okay? Yeah, this... <laughs> I'm fighting right. the urge right now to just slam my head into the table. <laughs> <laughs> do you want me to tell everyone what we're going to do next month? Yeah, go ahead. Can I please provide a drum roll? We don't usually do a drum roll, but you can. Okay, stop the drum roll. It's very annoying. <laughs> We've got... Uh, Chaka Shinari, which I probably mispronounced, from 2004, directed by Takashi Miike. And then we've got the One Missed Call remake from 2008, directed by some guy I've never heard of. Yeah. Yeah. And we're going to have Dana from Made of Fail, who holds up One Missed Call as the reason why she hates remakes. This was the film that permanently turned her against remakes. So it's going to be fun. I'll show you when we get to mine. I still haven't seen the original all the way through, and I've never seen the remake. Ditto, so it'll be surprising. So it'll be, it'll be a, a, an exploration of discovery for us all. <laughs> and Dana will scream for like two hours straight at us. So. <laughs> it's just so horrible. I'm like, it. Betrayal! <laughs> Betrayal! <laughs> <laughs> That's how I feel about my bloody Valentine 3D is betrayal. Yeah. So, anyways, thank you, Mac, for joining us again. My first time here. <laughs> but no, but thank for, you, you. for part one. Uh, this I, is previous. part two. I've
you know, we're yeah, trying to pretend happy. like we didn't record them both at the same time. Yeah, just go with, you're wrecking the illusion! The illusion is crumbling to pieces. She's breaking the fourth wall! The show is hurt. <laughs> Thank you for having me. This was actually a lot of fun. And I think this was your first podcast, too, so we popped your podcast, Cherry. Dirty. That's what I was going for. Good night, Evie. <laughs> Good night. read show notes for this and every one of our episodes, please visit IHateLoveRemakes.com. The comment sections are open, so let us know what you think about the films discussed. I Hate Love Remakes is in no way affiliated with the copyright holders of the films discussed. All rights are reserved and no infringement is intended. I Hate Love Remakes is a Made of Fail production. Madeoffail.net. We were unpopular before it was cool. We don't usually do a drum roll, but you can. Okay, stop the drum roll. It's very annoying. <laughs> okay, next month we're going to do Juwan and then The Grudge. Wait, wait, no. That's... No, we're not doing The Grudge. I thought we were doing The Grudge. We're doing one missed call. All right. I know things. Yeah, you go, go back and do that again. Yeah. I Shut up. I knew that, too. How did I not know that? I knew it. I looked it up before, and then I'm like, we're doing you on the grudge. And technically, Ugh. Juon is the grudge. It's That's just the Japanese word for the no, grudge. No, but why did I say that when I knew it was one missed call? I even looked it up and it was one missed call. I looked on our schedule that I have programmed in my phone, and then I just... Ugh. I don't know why you did it, but I can guarantee it'll be an outtake. Son of a biscuit. We'll get around to it eventually. Uh, oh, well, so excited. All right, so what are we watching next month?